Welcome back to In the Trenches podcast, a podcast for youth pastors by youth pastors. Today, we have the special privilege of having our superintendent of the SoCal Network, Pastor Rich Guerra, join us, talk about ministry, and especially his history having been involved in youth ministry. And so we hope you enjoy today's podcast. What's going on, everybody? Hope you guys are having a great day. Welcome back to In the Trenches. We've been gone for two weeks, but man, it feels good to be back on the podcast. And this is a special episode, not only because Pastor Rich is with us today, but today's our 30th episode. Wow. Wow. I know. It feels like we've recorded a lot more. Well, technically would have been our 31st episode. if well, Charlie, 32nd. You've, you've lost a couple, bro. I know I have. That's my fault. But uh, no, just one. There was another one that got Robert lost. There was a second one that got lost. I don't remember that. Yeah. But th- this is our 30th episode. It's and probably it's the a- Holy Spirit protecting us. There's probably something we said <laughs> that was like too much that would have just got us done. And the best part was it was all about Elliot. It was about Youth Alive. I know. <laughs> yep. Whatever. So of all episodes, the lost. But um, Pastor Rich, how are you doing today? Doing great. It's good seeing uh, Gary, Elliot, and Charlie. Man, I'm honored to be here. I've I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We're on our best behavior today. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gary, Elliot, how you guys doing? Good, good, man. It's been a long couple weeks, or a couple weeks since we've done anything. So yeah, but it's good to be back together. Yep, Dodgers won. So we're excited about that. Yes, we were recording this on Thursday, so the day right after they beat St. Louis. So Mm -hmm. this will probably be pushed out. I don't know when those games start against the Giants. Uh, in a couple of days. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow night. Uh, well, I'm yeah. speaking in faith for those games, too. Oh, okay. Dodgers won. They beat the Giants. This that, will look really stupid if we lose, but it all look like a profit if we win. I'll so. make sure to post that if it doesn't, if it doesn't 50, happen. 50 Yeah, 50-50. Yeah. You never know. Um, but really quick, um, Ellie, I just want to throw it to you really quick, because something amazing or something really cool happened in your life um, recently where you had to fly out. Um, yeah, okay. And so I'll just share what happened in your life, man. Yeah, yeah. I went to Springfield. Missouri, the motherland for the Assemblies of God, and I did my candidate orientation for um, Youth Alive, being a missionary, a U.S. missionary. So, uh, yeah, the ball has just continued to roll and just in more of an official space as the Youth Alive missionary. Uh, We'll have to re-record the podcast where I talk all about Youth Alive, but I'm just excited. I'm getting to go to different youth groups and different churches, talk with pastors and students and youth pastors all about Youth Alive, and so... uh, a lot of momentum, but it, it's an exciting time. And? And, yeah, Gary surprised me out there. It was, he's This is the thing, dude. Here in SoCal, we, we have something special. Like, I know, uh, like, there's a, so many great districts and networks in our fellowship. But I think in the history of Youth Alive Missionaries, I'm the only one who has had their DYD come and surprise them at Canada or Orientation. Uh, even the people who like live close, they don't have that happen. And so it was pretty cool. I, I like, we were at this ice cream place. I was with Josh Wellborn, Austin Westlake and John Zick. Um, and we were just hanging out and I turned and I looked and I saw Gary turning the corner and it was, it's so normal yeah. for me to see Gary, like, and just in that sort of space of hanging out that I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up, Gary? And then I was like, wait a second, we're in Missouri <laughs> right now. 
Well, he's not supposed to be here, so yeah, it was super cool That's that cool. he did that. Yeah, I was gonna fly out, but just my schedule got booked up. Yeah, you know? I figured. But, but I was there with you in spirit. Yeah, thank bro. you so much. Um, but uh, again, Pastor Rich, we're excited to have you on the podcast, and I just want to um, kind of open the floor for you, really quick, to let everyone know um, who you are, what you do for the SoCal Network, and um, some things that you might think that the listeners would want to know about you. It's great being here, and so thankful for our what student ministries team. You know, Gary, Elliot, Tony, Matt, and all of you who do such a tremendous job in not only ministering to young students, but uh, helping develop young leaders for our movement. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm the superintendent of the SoCal Network. That means I oversee about 495 churches from Fresno down to the Mexican border, about 1,300 credentialed ministers. And... You know, I tell people my grandparents came from Mexico and my dad was a gardener. Today I'm the superintendent. Mm. So I'm so thankful that God will use anyone who makes himself available. And my grandpa and his wife, my grandma, they came from Mexico. And uh, he found Jesus Christ as his Savior when he got here and called into the ministry. And across the street from his house was a condemned dance hall. He turns it into a Pentecostal church and five years old. I give my life to Jesus Christ in a dance hall, and I've been dancing for Jesus ever since. And <laughs> so I don't have a testimony on how to overcome drugs. I've never taken mm. drugs. I can't tell you how to be delivered from alcohol. I've never take, well, that's not true. Every once in a while, I take a shot of NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know you say that, Pastor Rich. I always think about this, I, and I'm going to say it on this podcast. I think we can. <laughs> like Lil Wayne and some of these rappers, that's their go-to drink is yeah, like yeah. cough syrup. They yeah, like right. they they're very addicted. They'll put they'll put it in Sprite and stuff. And so I know he's not do. Pastor Rich no. is not drinking lean. I don't know why though, but every time I he says it, I picture him and Connie like cheers in oh, yeah, Nyquil. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I need a shot. Yeah, just a <laughs> shot of Nyquil. So, that's that's yeah. fair. So all I've ever known is living for Jesus. At a yeah. young age, I felt called to God into ministry. It's good. And uh, I've been so thankful that He has allowed me and. The early 80s, um, I was asked after being a youth pastor out in Corona to come and be the youth ministries director, which was an exciting time. Matter of fact, most of those youth pastors that were with me at that time are now senior pastors in churches that uh, I oversee. So it's been a great journey. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a uh, it's, it's funny that you even say that because my senior pastor, Jim Del Campo, is was one of those guys out there with you. Yeah. Um, or Jimmy is how they would they would call him back in the day. It's, it's funny when I hear some people call him Jimmy, but um, no, that's awesome. And like I said, we are excited to have you on the podcast. And so we have some um, really a list of questions. Well, that Charlie, you you can't forget this just because it's Pastor Rich, because he's been in youth right. ministry for a long time before he ever became the superintendent. So we ask our guests usually. Uh, sometimes Charlie forgets. I forget often. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but. We usually ask our guests, because it's youth pastors or, or DYDs or people who have a history in youth ministry, what is a crazy story that you have about youth ministry? I know there's probably a lot, but just do you have any one? I can think of so many. Yeah. When I was a DYD, I was doing a lot of traveling, speaking at youth camps, and I spoke for a junior high pastor who was doing his first winter camp, and it was, he was from San Jose. His name was Scott Hagen. And he was the junior high pastor doing his first winter camp. And he had me come, flew me up there. And we get there, and he says, Rich, one of my junior high girls ran away. <laughs> uh, um, they're going to kill me. 
And so he says, could you start the meeting? So, you know, in those days you learn how to, you play a guitar to learn a few youth songs. And so I'm leading some worship and I'm looking for Scott, you know, and, and uh, he's not, and so I start preaching, you know, and do an altar call. Finally, Scott gets there, he finds the girl and he says, thank you, you saved my life. Well, today Scott is the president of North Central Bible College. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, you think of those experiences that we yeah. all had, and I could go on and on of things that we thought, God, I'm done. Uh, there's no way I'm gonna recover from this mistake. And uh, God uh, uses that to shape us. And so it's funny to see the people that I've had a relationship with, how God is now using in a powerful way. Yeah. 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 I always thought if I took 100 kids to camp and lost just one, that's <laughs> just pretty one. good. Yeah. 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 Have a choice. God leaves the 99, yeah. not Gary Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gary's cool with the 99. That's, that's a good statistic for him. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> that is pretty wild. Um, but as we get into the, these questions really quick, um, we just, again, you, you live a busy life. You, obviously, you are um, our, our director for the SoCal Network. And so um, I, I want to ask the question of how do you manage your time between life, work, and family? Well, if you talk to people close to me, they probably say I don't. Um, my, 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 my wife <laughs> says I have issues. You have issues. <laughs> uh, I'm, um, I have to be – it's very organized. See, we all have 168 hours a week. No more, no less. So when people say they don't have enough time, we all have the same amount of time. Mm. It's what you do with your time. So because of that, I strategically try to plan my week. I mean, I lay out my clothes, what I'm going to wear the next day, the night before. Nice. Um, I already have kind of three goals I'm going to try to accomplish the next day. I mean, and so I live in a world where there's constant crisis. There's constant things pulling at me. So the only way to respond to crisis is that you have margins in your life because you are disciplined. I eat the mm. same breakfast every day. Um, I mean, it's like, I don't want to spend my time thinking about things I don't need to think about. Let me spend my time thinking about vision, future. So there are days that are scheduled to meet with people. I have blocks of time that are scheduled for vision and planning. And so, and then time scheduled with Connie or my, I have three great kids and six, a seventh grandkid coming on, wow. coming. And wow. so wow. they are our life. And so it's hard to try to plan and, and uh, fit it all. But I think so that when I have a hard time saying no, can, you know, I speak almost every Sunday and I'm trying to take a Sunday off a month, but during this pandemic, um, there was so many that needed encouragement, and yeah. I needed to be there to kind of help them walk through this. But, uh, but now, but when people call me or my assistant, she can say, well, he'd love to be there, but he's already scheduled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so having that schedule, planning it out days or weeks in advance, and then we do what we hear called 12-week year, the 12-week year. Instead of annual goals, what are your goals for the next 12 weeks? Mm. So then that way, we can celebrate every 12 weeks. Man, mm. you hit your 12-week goals. Man, that's great. Or, yeah. okay, you didn't hit them. What do you need to do now to reach those goals? So yeah. planning, um, priorities, and, uh, you know, once again, I... I tend to overdo it um, because I, I'm so passionate 
but I have people in my life that will speak into my life, say, man, you need to take a break. Hmm. You know, I know when I violated the Sabbath, no one has to tell me. And I do it, unfortunately, way too many times. I travel on Saturdays to speak on Sundays. When do I get a Sabbath day? Hmm. But I know when I violate it because two things happen. I lose my creativity. I think I'm a creative person. That's my, my gift. I, I can't get, come up with a creative idea and I lose my patience mm. with people. Now, I won't say anything, but I'll say, Charlie, get to the point. Come <laughs> on, man. And I'm thinking, yeah. and I'm thinking, why do I feel that way? I feel that way too sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Elliot does for with sure. With Charlie. <laughs> so. No, that, that, that's awesome. I love the 12 week, the 12 week goal um, kind of concept, even just within our, our everyday life, I think is amazing, especially for youth ministry and being planned out. I wish someone would have told me, hey, hold on to a calendar make sure you're planned out especially starting off in youth ministry so i encourage any youth pastors out there um, whether you're old or young do exactly that um i think it was uh chad veach said that on a podcast once he's like if you are a, a youth pastor or really just any pastor and you don't know your school schedules and you don't have a schedule like planned out from that it's like you you need to get one and so i've taken to that and so even hearing it from you too that's a uh, it's very good um but I, I want to dive into a, a, a youth ministry question really quick. And um, so you, you've been in youth ministry for a while. You've been in youth ministry for a long time. And um, the, the question that I want to see or I want to ask you is this, is what have you seen be the biggest change in youth ministry over the years? Well, I think you would agree with me that young people are exposed to things that uh, we were never exposed to. I mean, I didn't know what a lesbian was or a transgender was or... Uh, I, yeah. We weren't exposed to that yeah. growing up as children. Now children are exposed to it all. So that's a huge challenge. They're being exposed to culture so much easier. And now as a youth pastor, how do you deal with that? And I think that's the real challenge. And in any community, I do a lot of demographic study of communities when I go to that s certain church. And we find that in every community that 20% say they go to church, okay? That means they might show up for Christmas or Easter, but they think they're churchgoers, okay? 20% of that community have stopped going to church. They, they've been disappointed, they've been hurt, they've frustrated, we're a bunch of hypocrites, whatever. But 60% almost every community have never been to church a day in their life. Wow. So there's a generation that has no Christian influence. Parents, grandparents, like, like I've had, and now they're coming and they're searching yeah and how do you relate connect uh, with those that have no moral foundation in their life and that's the challenge i think youth ministry faces and you you're too accepting you're you're not helping them yeah mm. you're too judgmental they just don't feel loved and accepted yeah. so where do you find that balance yeah well it's interesting you say that because i feel like we we've talked about this i think on the podcast before but even like when I was in high school, however many years ago, eight years ago, something like that, I feel like people, there was this, people didn't go to church, but they still claimed Christianity. There yeah. was this still like idea of a Christian nation or, you know, whatever that looked like. Um, and it was sort of the default of, yeah, we, you know, we don't really go. We just go to Easter and mass or, you know, some of that stuff you were talking about. But there was still this willingness to be like, but I guess if I had to pick something, I'd say I'm Christian or I'm Catholic or, you know, um, 
but now I see this like almost repulsion of that. Like not only am I not that, I'm anti that. You were, yeah. We had a conversation the other day, Pastor Rich. You were saying the U.S. is the third most, right? Lost nation under... In the world. In, in the world under China and... India. And India, yeah. Wow. Which is just insane to me. Because I think we don't think of ourselves like that. But even just hearing 60% of a community not just don't attend church or they've never attended it. And yeah. so... Yeah, it's a lost generation. And yet young people are looking for acceptance. Yeah. They want to belong to something. They want to be noticed. Look at yeah. TikTok. Yep. Or like, I mean, they, they want, and, and yet they choose the wrong people to associate yeah. with. Wow. Where we have a family or a community that they can feel loved and accepted and now work through their issues of their life. That's good. Yeah, yep. that's real good. Um, so we uh, we talked about that that question of what's the biggest change in youth ministry, but what's something that you've seen in youth ministry that just seems to never change? That's a good question. I was thinking about that, that I think that um, all leadership demands three things. Number one, um, you have to communicate a compelling vision. Why should I follow you as mm -hmm. a youth pastor if you don't have a compelling vision? When I was a youth director, I thought, why me? Matter of fact, it was Everett Stenhouse who was the superintendent. But why me? Uh, what do you want of me? And I think that he says, what, is your, what are you passionate about? And I, I quickly could articulate that. I was passionate about young people coming to know Jesus. Okay? That we, we weren't reaching unsaved young people as far as I was concerned. We were just resaving the same kids mm. every year at camp. You know, we weren't reaching. We had to come up with creative ways. We did a surf camp down in Point Loma um, to reach kids that would never go to the mountains, yeah. but maybe be drawn to come to a surf camp. We gotta be creative, reaching young people. Second was the sense of missions. How can we help young people have an idea of there are lost people both around the world and even across the street, mission. And then, so you've got to have a compelling vision. Second, I think that is never changes as you have to assemble a team and align a team to accomplish that vision. Yeah. As a youth pastor, as a superintendent, I can't do it by myself. The art of leadership is to assemble a team. Now I could assemble a team, but them suckers didn't like each other. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we gotta put up with this guy because he's the only guy can sing. Uh, mm. But alignment, uh, kind of getting a team aligned to embrace a vision, to champion a vision, to resource that vision together, that's the art of ministry. And I think a lot of youth pastors or youth workers feel like they're all alone. Yeah. And until you assemble and align a team, the miracle of Acts 2 wasn't so much that they all spoke in tongues, which that was kind of where the church kind of was birthed, but that you could get 120 people to agree on one thing. <laughs> you know, let's face it, the, the biggest enemy of the church isn't the enemy from the outside, it's the disunity from the inside. Yeah, yeah. it's good. That, that something happens when you can align a team. You give me a few, a few people that are aligned, man, we can do great things for God. And then the third thing that I think never changes is communicate a compelling vision, assemble and align a team to accomplish that vision, but third thing is uh, resolve conflict. Hmm, because good. as soon as you change something, people are not going to like it. And you either manage conflict or it manages you. 
Yeah. And I think sometimes we avoid conflict and it just gets worse. Yeah. So I think those are, for me, every area of ministry and level I've been in, the most three and most important things that I've had to develop. Yeah, that haven't changed. And then probably the fourth would be that all nighters yeah. are terrible. Yeah. They're just, they've never been good. <laughs> yeah. They just are the worst. <laughs> Dude, I love all-nighters. I hate them. Do you for real love yeah. them? I do. You would. Dude. In 30 years, I've done two. Really? Yeah, and I preach how, I teach, anytime I teach youth ministry, it's don't do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing good that comes from it. Yeah, dude. There's no, the risk to reward, it doesn't equal out in my mind. Like, they're fun, but then also, like, the amount of times I've had to deal with, like, these kids in this corner trying to make out, or, you know, like, it just is, like, it's just not worth it. I think this, like, the... Like some of the craziest, craziest youth ministry stories I have come from all night. Yeah, that's true. And that's like to me, I look back at it. I'm like, man, that is so fun. Like Robert and Christian are youth directors right now. They're getting ready to plan one in January, and I'm like, one, I'm glad that I can just show up and, and leave. leave. Yeah, because <laughs> now this is on you guys. Go to bed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sleep in my own bed. Um, but um, there's a few more questions that we kind of want to go through. And this one to me is one of my favorite questions to ask anyone that's been in youth ministry longer than myself. And, and that's this, knowing what you know now about ministry, what would you tell the young rich um, that just started off in ministry? You know, when I speak to young leaders, I talk about the five things I wish somebody would have told me. Now, I don't want to, I can go deeper, but we'll make it real quick. Um, the first is that the greatest challenge of ministry is into Intimacy with God, not serving people. Hmm. Hmm. We confuse that. We think just because I serve people, I must be getting closer to God as a minister. Yeah. No, uh, you can be busy and really drift away. You have to be intentional, your intimacy with God. Second is change always uh, is harder and slower than I expected. I thought I could just change this thing. I mean, I lead a network that's a hundred years old, and it's going to be—it's harder and slower than I expect. I wish somebody would have told me that, mm-hmm. because I think you change it too quickly, then people aren't going to respond. Thirdly, yeah. um, ministry will magnify your insecurities, not minimize them. Yeah, uh, we're all insecure. Ministers are most insecure people I know, and ministry magnifies them. Yeah. And so once you identify, okay, these are the areas that just really need to develop, the more effective you're going to be. Fourth, ministry is always harder on your spouse and children than it is on you. Hmm. I wish somebody would have told me that. Because after they try to criticize you and it doesn't work, guess what? Hmm. They're going to criticize your spouse and Hmm. kids. That's why so many pastors' kids, I think, fall away. Mm. And uh, and I'm so thankful. My kids, they love Jesus, they love the church, and they love their mom and dad. I think we won. But boy, I wish somebody would have told me. A lot of, a lot of what families have crashed and burned mm. because they didn't realize that. And thirdly, that how tremendous fulfilling ministry is. Uh, you know, you start off, but you don't realize looking back, the tremendous impact you made people's lives you know your young people will never remember a sermon you preached but they'll remember the time on a park bench or on a curb that you that you 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 talk to them mm-hmm. and i think of guys like chris songson mm-hmm. who was a junior high kid in my youth group wow 
the youth, the senior pastor said, you need to kick this kid out of your church, <laughs> out of the, because he's a troublemaker. I said, let, let's, ha- let's, let's keep trying. And uh, today he, he runs a, our, our leadership development for our network called Church Boom. And uh, he doesn't remember a sermon I preached, yeah. but he remembered I was there for him in his greatest time of need. That is where a youth pastor cannot be replaced. Yeah. You'll have more opportunity to speak into a young person's life than their own mom and dad, right? I think of my youth pastor. He was a, he, he was a jeweler in a jewelry store, and, but he was kind of our youth pastor. would invite me over his house to play basketball in his driveway, and uh, I'll never forget those days. And, and looking back, uh, I don't remember the crowds I preached to, I remember the individuals that mm-hmm. are now doing great things for God. Yeah. And I think that's the reward of ministry. Hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's real good. I can, I'm sure all three of us can sit back and think of those types of moments, too, in our lives when youth pastors would sit with us. I remember there'd be moments where we went to Miguel's Jr., and I, I remember that after a sermon more than I do the sermon itself. Yep. Um, but right now, for everyone that, that's listening, this will be the last question um, we ask. Um, for those that are listening today, what would be something you'd encourage them with um, as we close out this podcast or just encourage them? You know, I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, I've always had spiritual mentors. Um, and I think um, I recognized I needed someone that I could go to and say, how can I help me? <laughs> I need help. Mm. Um um, how do I deal with this? And I think that's where I see a lot of ministers crash and burn because they don't have a spiritual mentor. They don't have a spiritual father. They, they, they're trying to m- make it on their own and they just isolate themselves. Uh, and I think, to me, it's a sign of strength. The Bible says there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors that to bring people around that you give permission to speak into your life. And uh, they don't tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Yeah. And I think that, to me, should follow you the rest of your life. Uh, we, are, uh, we are a fatherless society today. Yeah. The problems we have in every area of society, most of it is because there was not a father mm. figure in a kid's life. And I think that we as ministers, as leaders, do we have spiritual fathers? I'm thankful. Uh, uh, I'm the first superintendent in the history of the Assemblies of God who hired back a former superintendent <laughs> for, the, for the Ray Rachels. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted his wisdom. I wanted his experience. I wanted him to say, uh, this is why we did that, but now we probably should do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, that is one thing that I would love to provide, and I make myself available. I, I give every young leader my cell phone number and say, call me. Uh, you know, you have a question or you want to w- talk through something, you know, and you think, well, you're busy. Well, yeah, I'm busy, but, you know, I miss pastoring every day. But, matter of fact, I've often asked God, God, all I wanted to do was be a pastor. Why did you put me in this position? And he said this. You're no longer going to build the church, but you're going to build men and women who build the church. Yeah. I said, okay, then if that's what you've called me to do. So I think um, some mentorship, 
you know, would, would you call it coaching, mentorship, or spiritual father, people that you've allowed into your life, I think it keeps you healthy and keeps you going forward. And uh, all of a sudden now you find yourself pouring into someone else's life. Yeah, that's great. I wanted to ask you, because I've heard you say this before, but I'd like for you to say it on the podcast. What do you see yourself doing after you're done with your time being the superintendent of the SoCal Network? I love what I do. I feel passionate. I think God has given me vision for what I do. But, you know, they they vote on me every three years. And so, that I mean, I serve at our members, our ministers' pleasure. But I feel like my role will be finding a young leader, uh, a Gary Garcia or Elliot Bland or, you know, Charlie, and say, okay, how can I help you yeah. reach your vision? Uh, how can I come alongside you? You know, I don't have to preach. You do all the preaching. But maybe together I can help, um, help identify your vision, you know, help identify what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and, and what are your hopes and dreams for the future and how to get there. Yeah. And I think that would be a wonderful time until they say, okay, you know, all pastors never die. They just go out to pastor, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But uh, that's what I think my, my, my last tenure will be, um, helping others, um, other leaders reach uh, with the vision that God has given them. It's good. That's amazing. Yeah, really can, can you imagine? I, I love that idea. And that's kind of like what I would love. You know, I want to be in youth ministry my whole life. Mm-hmm. But it would be so cool whenever this season is done, however long that is, uh, to just go back and do games for for somebody. Like, you know, to go back and lead the junior high boys small group. Like, can you imagine Pastor Rich serving at a church of of a young leader and he's leading the senior boys small group? Like, that's what I want. And, And I feel like that's part of the reason we love you and we appreciate you as our leaders because you do have a heart for the next generation yeah. you don't just say it like it's clear um in everything you do and so we appreciate that and it's cool to just hear that even as you think about whenever this ends which hopefully isn't anytime soon mm-hmm. uh you want to get involved with the young leader and continue pouring into the next generation yes yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah thank you so much for doing this with us and being a part of it we appreciate it and uh a lot of young youth pastors that are, are listening and tuning in as well as you know some of the veterans and and so it's always good to hear from you and have you encourage the the team well my future is based on your success um That's they true. they say in america that ten thousand baby boomers retire every day hmm. they say over the next seven years over four hundred thousand new pastors will be needed hmm. wow so our future is now with young leaders because not only they're going to be the church of the future they're, t- they're the church now yeah and we are here to help you get to where god's called you so it is a joy and i'm so thankful i'm s- you know in a sense i feel like a proud father of some of our you know young lions i call them that are leading uh, youth ministries and i believe that uh, maybe I'm a little naive, but I think the whole nation tilts towards Southern California, mm. right? Yeah. What we do here, the whole nation watches us. We're the first to have three youth ministry directors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think, oh, that's like unheard of. They, they, how do you do it? Well, because we have yeah. talent. 
and uh, we feel that God is using that. So thank you, and uh, whatever I can do, please let me be a part of it. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Rich, for being out here and doing this with us. Um, Elliot, Gary, it's always a pleasure having you guys on the podcast. Yep. Um, but right now, guys, hey, if there was anything that you um, that we talked about on the podcast that you'd want more information on or you'd want to um, really contact us about, go ahead and um, reach out to us on Instagram at SoCal Youth Pastors. Um, but yeah. Hey, also want to remind all the, the friends that are in Southern California that we do have the one night, one day event coming up. October 22nd and 23rd in San Diego. Registration is only $25. Come on. We have some amazing speakers like Elijah Lamb, um, Reggie Hill, Josh Jameson. Uh, we're going to be launching our Youth Alive. Um, so Elliot's going to be doing that. And so come be a part of it. It's like a mini youth convention we're doing this month. It's not too late to sign up. Even when this comes out, it'll still have a, a week or two left. So come be a part of this event. Yeah. yeah. Can't beat that price too, man. I know. 25 bucks. It's a great Get price. A and you're in room. San Diego. And you're in San Diego. It's the perfect place. Um, but again, better than you. Norco. Whoa, I, w- I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Come on. Um, do they have horse trails? <laughs> no. Okay, yeah. Um, but other than that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next podcast. Yeah, see ya. <laughs>